Joining us for the news briefing is Sa m i s o r a n g Good morning to you. Good morning, Henry. So, uh, as the president said, uh, this uh, extended monsoon season has gone on longer than uh, expected uh, mm-hmm. with now uh, the ensuing consequences that we've seen, particularly in the central and metropolitan areas. Uh, continuous heavy downpours here in uh, the greater Seoul area as well as uh, Chungcheong province for the fourth straight day now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we know about the scope of damage so far? We are seeing snowballing losses. Uh, As of 10.30 last night, at least 15 people have died since Saturday, and 11 remain missing, according to the Central Disaster and Safety Countermeasures headquarters. Three missing persons were found dead yesterday alone. More than 1,500 people from some 1,100 households had to evacuate over the past four days. Now, if we have a look at it by regions, nearly 40% of the refugees were from North Chungcheong Province, followed by around 30% from South Chungcheong Province, and roughly 25% from Gyeonggi Province. Right, and so uh, it is uh, obviously tragic uh, that uh, we have seen loss of life as well as other injuries uh, from this. uh, People who have been uh, keeping up to date with the news developments and just uh, really uh, more so than radio with, uh, if you watch it on TV, Mm. you can see the stark images of all the damage uh, that has been done so far, the cars being submerged, uh, the houses that have been flooded. Uh, Overall, what is the extent uh, of the property damage? Well, in terms of property damage, uh, more than 1,000 cases of property damage have been reported yesterday alone, which means that the four-day tally has been raised to over 4,200 cases. And there's been devastating damage to farmlands as well. Nearly 7,200 hectares have been flooded so far. This is 4,000 hectares more than yesterday morning. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Chong Se-kyun has ordered the cabinet to consider declaring the affected region's special disaster areas. Well, as you mentioned in the opening, President Moon Jae-in has called for, quote, excessive state efforts to prevent damage from further exacerbating. Right, and, and that's really uh, the uh, only thing that can be done right now. Um, you can't control the extent of what Mother Nature is going to mm. be doing, but uh, at least for the government's part, uh, with uh, search and recovery and rescue operations, uh, and as well as uh, minimizing the uh, damages from floods and all the other uh, extraneous uh, consequences of this, uh, that is the uh, order at uh, from the very top is to make sure that uh, things are done to the utmost extent mm-hmm. possible. Uh, we are going to move to other issues here right now. Um, there is certainly still a lot of debate going on with uh, pending policies, uh, regardless of the uh, state of the country with natural disasters or with the pandemic. Uh, namely, it seems like one of the big hot button issues has been for the past couple of months, uh, real estate and mm. the skyrocketing housing prices. To that end, the National Assembly approved a set of real estate-related bills. This is considered to be a follow-up from the government's uh, July 10 measures and also uh, a slew of different legislation aimed at trying to uh, get the real estate market under control. That's right. So this latest package of 11 real estate bills, they passed the National Assembly during yesterday's voting session. The bills call for higher taxes on income, corporate and property ownership taxes. In particular, the property ownership tax rate imposed on those owning multiple homes, that will be pushed up from the current maximum of 3.2% up to 6%. And for companies owning multiple properties, the corporate tax will be doubled from the current maximum of 10% up to 20%. 
and the property acquisition tax rate for those earning multiple homes in state-designated speculative areas, that will be raised to a maximum of 12% from the current 3.5%. Now, to these increases, the UFP accused the DP of forging ahead with a plan to burden homeowners at every stage of ownership. So let's listen to UFP lawmaker Chu Gyeong-ho. 주택의 취득, 보유, 양도, 증여 등 보유와 거래 모든 단계에 세금 폭탄을 안기는 증세를 강행하고 있습니다. Tax bomb, right? So mm-hmm. he's saying uh, all these taxes, uh, whether it's uh, acquisition, possession, transfer, uh, you're all going to get hit with these uh, massive increases. That's right. And regarding the, this protest about the so-called tax bombs, this is what DP's Park Hong-gun had to say. 통합당은 종부세만 앞세워서 세금 폭탄, 소득 없는 은퇴자를 위한 은퇴자를 괴롭히는 세금 이렇게 호도하는데요. 종부세 납부하는 사람이 전체 국민의 0.99%입니다. So you often hear that uh, thing about, right, when during the Occupy Wall Street movement, uh, the 99% versus the 1%. And mm-hmm. I think that's the point that uh, the ruling party lawmaker is making here, saying that, look, you guys are kind of scaremongering over this idea that uh, this is going to be a tax bomb. Mm-hmm. But unless you're among the very privileged and wealthy, namely uh, the top uh, 0.99% mm-hmm. who happen to own multiple properties or happen to own a property that is uh, extremely lucrative in value, you would not necessarily yeah. be uh, subject. Uh, to these um, new tax regulations is essentially what the government has been trying to say uh, through uh, the various real estate measures, but now with this uh, new legislation is don't own multiple properties if you don't need to, right? Yeah. And so, unless you're uh, going to live in them yourself. Yeah, or unless you're so massively wealthy that you can handle that tax hit and those corresponding tax increases if you say 10 to 20% for corporations, uh, 32 to 6% uh, for uh, individual owners, basically you're doubling your taxes mm-hmm. and tax burden for owning multiple properties or doing any transactions with capital gains, meaning that unless you are expecting a corresponding increase in the value of those mm-hmm. houses, it probably doesn't make business sense to to keep all yeah. of those uh, properties in your portfolio. And maybe that will encourage more people to to buy into the market with more stabilized prices. That, yeah. that seems to be the uh, concept going on right now with uh, the current uh, tax uh, changes for real estate. We'll talk more about real estate very shortly. But the National Assembly did also pass bills on uh, what they had to tweak regarding the existing Kongsucha or the uh, anti-corruption investigative body. That's right. So this was during the same plenary session. A smaller set of three separate bills have been approved, accelerating the launch of a new investigative body targeting corruption by high-ranking government officials. Namely, it'll allow for a parliamentary hearing on the confirmation of a nominee to head the new body. Now, the UFP, uh, during all of this, they didn't walk out mm. of the plenary session as they had in previous sessions, but they did boycott the voting for bills on both the real estate and the investigative body as a show of protest. There were other votes, uh, other topics that had to be voted on, but they did participate in that, but not for these two bills. Because a conservative party said that the DEP's autocratic moves are ruining democracy 
and that there was a lack of bipartisan discussion regarding both sets of bills. There seems to be a bit of a dilemma for the uh, Conservative Party right now in terms of what their uh, wider strategy is going forward because they have seen uh, an uptick in in their approval ratings Mm -hmm. uh, uh, among the public, mainly probably because of the extent that uh, this uh, wider real estate policy has been considered so unpopular and that the people are taking their ire out at the the government as well as the ruling party right now. But the question going forward is when you have such a small minority in parliament, you don't have that control and and you have a ruling party determined to still implement uh, their agenda regardless of what uh, uh, the opposition will say. What are your uh, counter tactics that are available to you? You can can debate in parliament, which I think we've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, Namely, uh, one video that went viral was the one by Yunisuk, the the, uh, conservative lawmaker who had a viral moment with her address regarding Mm -hmm. real estate. You could filibuster, maybe even come out. It, It might not accomplish the um, the goal of preventing the legislation from being passed, but at least you can show that you are determined to um, speak your mind on why you think these uh, pieces of legislation are wrong and maybe even offer counter policies and proposals that uh, could actually inspire the public. Or you can do what um, I guess more of the hawkish members of the party are saying is we got to go back out onto the streets and, mm-hmm. and protest in Gwangamun and rally the uh, the Taeguki, uh protesters uh, and uh, try to um, maybe inspire the public that way. But they have already seen that uh, there's a precedent that that kind of tactic uh, resulted in disastrous mm-hmm. consequences in the previous National Assembly. So uh, going, I mean, we're going to continue to see this kind of pattern now yeah. with the uh, opposition uh dealing with a 176 majority ruling party that continues to pass bills in uh, committee, uh, pass them in the wider assembly, confirm uh, nominations that they don't like. And uh, unless they come up with a pretty effective counter strategy, uh, this is going to be uh, going forward uh, uh, what uh, we are going to be perceiving as a new normal here. Uh, Speaking of real estate, though, let's turn to our next topic here because this has, again, um, resulted in uh, some backlash as well as uh, counter arguments as to why this might not be the way to go. The government did announce plans to massively boost the supply of apartments in the greater Seoul area. That's right. So this latest announcement, it's the 23rd set of real estate measures since the Moon administration took office in May of 2017. And this time the focus is on one, easing some uh, reconstruction rules and two, freeing up state-owned land. And in effect, this will add 110,000 apartments to Seoul, or 132,000 if you expand the scope to the greater Seoul Mm. area. And the additions will be completed by the year 2028. Now, the details of the announcement is very similar to what we had already covered in yesterday's news briefing, namely that for public reconstruction projects of aging apartments, the floor area ratio will be raised from the current 250% to a maximum of 500%, while the maximum height for apartment towers, that will be raised to 50 stories from the current 35. But of course, there were some conditions According to Finance Minister Hong Nam-gi, high-density reconstruction projects will have to satisfy a major precondition of fulfilling a public service role. There will be mandatory participation of state housing developers like Korea LNH as well as whole housing and communities. And half of the additional housing will be leased and half will be sold to low-income households, newlyweds and young people. 
Okay, so uh, we see a massive uh, building up of new units, some renovation of uh, old ones, uh, some uh, reconfiguring of land uh, originally meant for other purposes. One of the big highlights of this was uh, the uh, golf course that is under the control of the government in Mm -hmm. northern Seoul. Uh, We talked about the plans there. Apparently 10,000 new households on that piece of land. Yeah, so as we talked about yesterday, that plan has been confirmed as well in yesterday's announcement. The military-run golf course in Taedeung will be used as land to add 10,000 new apartments. But the government is stopping short of opening up other green belt zones in the Seoul metropolitan area and instead will use other government land, including the former U.S. military base in Yongsan and a government complex in Kwacheon, to secure an additional 23,000 new homes. Yeah, and so uh, we'll talk about those uh, in more detail in terms of the opposition to it. And normally, you would think the knee-jerk reaction is, ah, the conservative opposition, again, um, being obstructionist and not not liking what the government's doing just for the sake of opposing everything uh, that is uh, um, ruling party or government policy. But there is some pretty bipartisan opposition to this, namely because these local municipalities and governments uh, that are going to be affected are, are really under under the control of the ruling party right mm-hmm. now and uh, namely the big entity that uh, seems to be opposed to what the central government has just announced that you just laid out would be the Seoul city government mm-hmm. uh, they have definitely uh, voiced some concerns on uh, certain aspects of this right that's right so soon after the government held its briefing the Seoul city government held a briefing of its own and raised the question of whether apartment complexes and private firms owning the apartment complexes will be willing to agree to government terms, especially the part about having state-owned housing developers take part. So the whole city government, they also opposed the broad 50-story limit, saying that only mixed residential and business complexes should be allowed to be built that high, and that existing 35-story limit should remain for purely residential complexes. Now, separate from the Seoul city government's concerns, some in the real estate sector have taken a rather sceptical stance as well, hmm. saying that the newly announced conditions, they don't guarantee enough profit for private companies to want to jump on board. And pundits expect that many old apartment complexes, they will instead opt to stay within the existing framework of pals, uh, private housing developers instead of LNH and so on, and the 250% and 35 stories. Yeah, and that again highlights how difficult this whole uh, policy mix and these various schemes are, is that uh, you do have to see or an expectation have of uh, continuously appreciating real estate prices for this to make business sense for yeah. a lot of the private mm-hmm. uh, entities because rightly or wrongly and you think they're greedy or what have you, um, if you are a private uh, corporation or business or or what have you, um, you do have to, you're incentivized to maximize profits mm-hmm. and if this does not deem to be um, uh, a direction that would max- maximize those profits uh, that uh, will maybe lead to, as you say, some non-participation mm-hmm. among them and they might just feel they're better off in the old scheme yeah. and just to keep it all privatized for themselves. Uh, we talk about Seoul City, but Kwachan City, which is, again, one of the satellite cities uh, around the greater Seoul area, they are also opposing it regarding um, particularly the plan to use the uh, government complex and surrounding areas within the city to build 4,000-some-odd households. That's right. So Kwachan City Mayor, he held an emergency briefing as well, and he urged the central government to exempt Kwachan from its announced plans. Because the land in question is currently being used as a public park, sports field and a car park. And the city has plans to convert this area into an AI and bio cluster 
not as land for 4,000 additional homes. Right, and so if, if you don't really don't uh, care about real estate or follow this issue, you might be wondering, why, why is everyone so opposed to this? This is um, the government, this is the ruling party, and then these uh, municipalities are also uh, ruling party aligned. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of um, NIMBY going on here. I mean, the, the specifically uh, two districts that would be massively affected in mm-hmm. Seoul, no one district and... Uh, Mapo District, which is a district that you and I are uh, quite familiar with, no one is where that golf course is located right now. And they have been an up-and-coming district, burgeoning. uh, They have a very strong Hagwon system. A lot of uh, residents there have seen property houses rise. Mm -hmm. What what they've been complaining about is they see that this massive influx of new housing, maybe cheaper housing, would depress real estate houses, Mm -hmm. all that they've built up. They they talk about it being uh, threatening to become a bedroom community, which in Korea would be a pejorative, not not a good situation. Situation mm-hmm. to be in Mapo, particularly Sangam, yeah. with the uh, digital mm-hmm. media city and building up all this uh, relatively what they would consider cheap housing would again dilute the supply. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, um, for a lot of people who've invested in this area, uh, <laughs> cause them some concern as to the long term prospects. And so er- everybody wants to see affordable housing, but maybe not in the specific area that they actually own property in. Yeah, not their neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, let's talk about another big controversy and that is including the prosecution. You mentioned the uh, Gongsucha. Legislative changes, but there's also been some outcry from the ruling party regarding uh, Yun Sung Yeol's recent comments at that event uh, welcoming new prosecutors. Mm-hmm. So, as we covered yesterday, Yun Sung Yeol he called on newly appointed prosecutors to defend democracy against dictatorship and authoritarianism, adding the prosecutors should strictly carry out their authority to enforce laws under any circumstances. Uh, That's a direct quote from Yun. Now, these comments, they led to a string of backlash from the ruling DP. Uh, Mainly, party leader candidate Park Jumin wrote on his Facebook account that Yun's democracy comment is akin to shutting his ears to the public's call for a prosecutorial reform. Meanwhile, Supreme Council member nominee Lee Won-ook, he also wrote a Facebook post. Uh, He titled it, is an appointed power trying to defeat an elected power, adding that it's plain to see that the prosecution has been acting as an omnipotent institution so far. DP lawmakers with a legal background also chimed in. For example, lawmaker Kim Kim Nam-guk, he said that it's politicians like myself who should make political moves. Prosecutors should carry out their duties as outlined by the law, implying that Yoon Seok-yeol had overstepped his boundaries. And so uh, the way you interpret uh, what Yoon Seok-yeol said yesterday would definitely color the reaction uh, to it. Uh, the, uh, um, the main opposition party, the conservative side, uh, feels uh, more, I guess, inspiration from this. And yeah, you are going after the powers that be. That's your brand. That's what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we support you in those endeavors. Whereas the ruling party is saying more, I guess, in a, in accusatory way that uh, you obviously notice that uh, you are probably the highest polling uh, conservative candidate right now for mm-hmm. future president candidates mm-hmm. and maybe you've made a political statement yeah. to that end so if you're going to engage in politics don't be the prosecutor general anymore because this is nominally supposed to be an apolitical okay. job and that's what we expect of you uh, we got one more story to go and this is dealing with diplomacy um, and uh, I, I think pretty much uh, laying a stark warning towards Tokyo the foreign ministry has reiterated that it can end Gsamia anytime it chooses and that it does not need to notify Japan. 
That's right. Ministry spokesman Kim in Chol he relayed the position during a regular media briefing. A reporter had asked Kim whether the government has to inform Tokyo by the end of this month if Seoul intends to end the military information sharing pact. So here's a part of Kim in Chol's response to that question. Disomia는 날짜에 구애받지 않고 우리 정부가 언제든지 종료 가능하며 협정을 1년마다 연장하는 개념은 so he's saying they can end it any time, and uh, the uh, traditional practice of uh, having an extension uh, go about uh, that is no longer applying. Yeah, no longer applying because after Tokyo imposed export curbs, hydrogen fluoride, and so on, on South Korea in an apparent retaliation for Korean Supreme Court rulings against numerous Japanese firms involved in wartime forced labor. Seoul, in turn, decided to not renew the pact before it expired in November of last year, thereby allowing Seoul to withdraw from the pact any time it chooses. Now, meanwhile, a Daegu court in choose, on Tuesday finished serving notice on Nippon Steel that its assets in Korea would be seized to compensate the victims. Now, regarding possible retaliatory measures from Japan in response to the move, Kim said that the government will continue to make efforts to resolve the issue through diplomatic channels. We'll talk about this a little more uh, in an interview uh, coming up later on in the program, but uh, this is all centered around what's going on with the uh, liquidation of the assets of Nippon Steel and mm-hmm. uh, the fact that that company has basically refused to comply yeah. with the court order to recompensate mm-hmm. the victims of uh, forced labor uh, during World War II. And so uh, Japan has long been upset about this. We know this uh, very well, and it uh, resulted in that initial trade restriction controversy and and this tit-for-tat that has been going on. Ultimately, now with Jisamia being put back on the table, again, with the poker analogy, it is another card for Seoul to play mm-hmm. uh, in regards to any potential retaliatory measures that may be coming back uh, their way uh, from Japan right now, being angry about the court decision. Okay, okay Misorang, as always, thank you very much. Always appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again uh, very soon. Thank you.